0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. The first day of primary school for your eldest child is a big day, both for you and them. It's one of those invisible markers that tells you your baby is growing up. School is a new world for everyone, with new things to learn and challenges to overcome. Gail Smith was a primary school principal and teacher who has now written a book called The Primary Years, A Principal's Perspective on Raising Happy Kids. Hi, Gail. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you.
0: Can I ask, how long were you a school principal for?
1: 29 years.
0: Wow. No,
1: that's a long time, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) Well, it was a sort of a long period but a very enjoyable period in my life. Does that mean
0: that if you were a principal for that, that period of time, would you have seen children of children that you'd seen come through the school? Because some families stay in the same area, go to the same primary school. Did you get that experience of generations
1: coming through the school? Oh, yes. In fact, I had uh, several families who sent their children to my school. So there was this wonderful sense of history, connecting to family and the journey of seeing those parents as older parents themselves. So that whole experience of family and journey with them was such a powerful experience for me. And I imagine
0: it must have been the same for them. I know that as I just mentioned, there are some families who stay in one area where they grew up. A lot of mm. people who live in the city, though, and I live in the city, have moved from when they were kids, and even when they have their own kids, move a lot. Mm. Um, I guess I'm wondering whether you think that connection that you felt, having stayed with families for such a long period of time, have we, have we lost a bit of that in the current way we live?
1: it's possible i would say that a lot of it has to do with how a parent wants to connect to the school once a parent makes a good connection to the school and enjoys the experience i think that whole journey becomes much more enjoyable for them
0: uh, and along those lines as well i guess um I have talked to different people in the field who have said that education in some ways has become more like a commodity as opposed to an experience. So by that, I took it that they meant parents, even in the public system, believe that they are paying for a certain service and that if things aren't met to their expectations, then they're disappointed or not happy with the service they're getting whereas schools never used to be like that. It was like you sent your kids to school, they were educated mm. by teachers, teachers did their job, you did yours. Is that something
1: that resonates with you at all? I can hear what I hear what you're saying and yes, that potential is there because we've changed so much. I've seen so many um, families over the many years and I've seen that many of them have different sets of expectations of the school. Some of them still hang on to that, Belief that it's a village and they want to share every moment of it with their family, others do to some degree see it as a service and that mm. element of service has crept in quite a bit and I think a lot of it has to do with how the school then keeps the engagement going with the parents to give them some potential of all the things that they can get from the journey.
0: So talking along those lines, what kind of connection is helpful for kids? So your child goes to primary school, you're a new parent, you've never been involved with primary school before. What level of involvement is helpful for the child? Because I imagine sometimes it can be too involved.
1: (laughs) Mm. Well, you you can get that extreme. But I'd say um, where possible, because I know families are busy and they're working, most uh, family members could be out there in the workforce, whatever capacity you can manage to engage with the school, whether it be through a parents' association, um, a board which is less visited than parents' associations, less demand on them, or whether it could be just committing to classroom for a few activities across a week or a month. All that engagement, be it little or bigger, seems to make a bit of an impact in terms of parents being a lot more relaxed and happy with the school environment and less anxious about what's going on.
0: And what kind of impact does it have for children when their kids are more involved in the school?
1: Significant uh, because a child just loves the parent to share their experiences. Because when when you think about it, Siobhan, you've got the children for five hours across five days. And often that can be longer if sports involved or different activities are involved. And they are so excited and so interested in their daily life that they want that to be part of their journey for their parents. And so the more a parent is part of that, the more they trust the school themselves and feel safe because their parent thinks it's a safe and happy place to be. So it transfers very much to their child.
0: One of your first chapters in the book, and it's a very comprehensive book, I'm not sure how you found
1: the time to to include (laughs) so much in it.
0: Um, But one of your first chapters is all about how we speak to our child. Mm. Um, Why was that something that you considered so important, you put it right up the front of the book and Mm. you have a lot of ways of looking at it. Why is Mm. the way we speak to our children important?
1: Well, one of the things I learned through my experience as teacher, principal and counsellor was that how we communicate to children has a massive impact on what they listen to and also their ability to listen to it because young children, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, can develop a bit of anxiety very quickly. So you need to speak to them with sensitivity, simplicity, warmth and encouragement. Then they build a bit of trust in you so they listen a little bit more deeply. And I found that extremely important in a classroom setting and also engaging with children myself and parents. And good teachers know that strong, effective communication comes from the language that you use.
0: Well, going on from that, Gail, one of the biggest challenges with homeschooling, which a lot of people have had to do through the pandemic and possibly will need to do in the future as well, one of the biggest challenges there is motivating children to work. Now, I have had both my children at home and I am assuming that my kids do not speak to their teachers the way they speak to me uh, or complain as much about the work they have to do um, to their teachers as they do to me. Have you got any tips on how we can help our children be motivated and and concentrate on their work while it's us, their parents, who are, you know, guiding them through this schooling at home?
1: It's not easy. Um, you, You are a parent, so you understand more than me at the moment because I haven't been doing it with children but I've seen my grandchildren go through, it is extremely difficult because you're looking at a screen and you're the parent. You don't traditionally shouldn't be the teacher. So you're fulfilling another role and that role means that the child will get anxious if they're failing because your perception of them is to be positive and successful. So it becomes a bit of a a vicious cycle. But what I'd suggest is constant, frequent little um, affirmations along the way and lots of reassuring words, not setting expectations on them about their work. That's the teacher's job. Your job is mainly to encourage and support and when in doubt, follow it up with the teacher or let the child follow it up with the teacher. But... If you set extremely high expectations for yourself as a parent to make the difference with the online learning, I think you're asking a lot of yourself and putting the child under a lot more pressure because they just want you to be the parent uh, and they want to be valued by you. So they would like your affirmation and reassurance and a sense of appreciation of what they're doing as opposed to not doing an effective job. Does that make sense? Because that is actually the teacher's job to deal with that.
0: Yes, it does. And it's actually something I I haven't heard in this entire period. And I I think that is very helpful. You also talk um, in the book about how bedtime can be tricky, which I think is so interesting because it wasn't something I expected when my children were babies and and I'm sure other parents had the same assumptions that by primary school, our children would be sleeping soundly. Um, What's your advice on helping primary age children to get to bed at a reasonable time?
1: Well, I think setting boundaries and routines in the family is just so important and honouring them during the week. Now, of course, as the child gets older, sport gets in the way and all sorts of complications happen. But the younger child, the prep, the year one child, in the foundational years, they need stable, constant, consistent patterns. And bedtime is a critical one. It's also a time, and I've heard many children say this, that they look forward to that time of the day because they have the one on one experience with their parent and they treasure that. So, whether it's a bedtime story or just relaying what you've done during the day or just cuddling together, whatever the experience is, is with your child at night, it's important to the child to have that one on one time and setting the boundaries, turning the lights out or dimming the lights or reducing the sound in the house, all those things that stimulate a better environment for sleep really should be the go to give the child that sense of patterns for the week.
0: I know that during school holiday periods or possibly during the pandemic and lockdown, things have been a bit skew if and maybe bedtimes have crept later or kids are doing more screen time before bed. So things have gone off track. And I noticed in your book, you suggest that we sit down and talk as a family about what our expectations are around bedtime, which I thought was a great idea. Could you Mm. talk us through that?
1: Sure. I think The more you engage your child in the process, it is a greater chance you'll be more successful because they will own it. They will say, okay, well, let's go to bed at 8 o'clock and let's do these things around 8 o'clock. Let's set it up so that we go to bed at 8. The important part about the discussion is that it's negotiation. So in a little bit of that discussion, you might be saying, well, I tell you what. You can go to bed, it's 8 o'clock, but the light will go out at 8.15. So together you're negotiating and discussing how it will work. The potential of it being successful is much, much greater than just saying this is what happens. And the child enjoys being part of the engagement.
0: Um, And look, kids are going back to school in New South Wales and Victoria at the moment in late October and they're staggering Mm -hmm. them depending on what year they are. Do you have any tips for parents on how we can make this transition back to school easier for our kids?
1: Well, I, I would first of all say that discussion is a key thing. So as a family, gather, discuss how it's going to work Talk about the school, talk about the correspondence that you've had with the school and what the school is telling you to do. So, together, you're working on this as a project. And then you encourage them to say, Well, we're going back for two days this week. Let's look at that. What does that mean? Will there be work coming home? Uh, Do I need to visit the school? So, you have these conversations around it. And when the child comes back, you affirm and reassure them that, well done, you know, it's a hard thing getting back to school after such a break. Well done on being able to manage that. So it's that constant reaffirming and reassurance and interest in the um, changed experience that the child is going through.
0: Gail, as you mentioned at the start of this interview, um, you worked as a principal for 29 years. Um, Writing this book, I'm sure, has Brought back lots of memories from that time. What do you miss most about teaching or or being a principal?
1: What I miss most is connection to people and especially to children and families and that beautiful sense of relationship that you build and watching children grow from an infant in some cases through to the first day of school through to their graduation and their early adolescence. I don't think anything gets any better than that. I think it's an incredible gift to be able to journey with families and to see the, the extraordinary uh, changes that occur and to be part of expressing yourself in their life.
0: Gail, congratulations on the book. There's so much great wisdom in it thank you so much for your time today
1: well thank you very much
0: that's gail smith her book is called the primary years a principal's perspective on raising happy kids and we'll put links to the book in the notes of this episode feed play love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me siobhan hunt i'd love to hear from you so if you'd like to get in touch